it's the future of artificial intelligence and if you've not played with it yet you'll have certainly heard about it have you used chat gpt do you know what it is have you heard your friends talking about it we're going to talk about it in this episode it's awesome Hi and welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily Podcast where I, your host Mario De Cristofano, will talk to you about life as a delivery manager. We'll talk about strategy, tactics, things to do, not to do and wrap that up in a way which makes sense. This is a daily series of podcasts which are released across all your favourite podcast software and there's a video version on YouTube with additional content if you wish. If you want to get in touch, get involved with the podcast or even be a sponsor, get in touch via Twitter, DM underscore daily. And don't forget to check out the video version of this podcast on YouTube, The Delivery Manager Daily. Welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Mario De Cristofano, and in this episode, I wanted to talk about Chat GPT, but not it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Um, not because everyone's necessarily talking about it and I'm jumping on the bandwagon, but more having used it and having used both large language model type artificial intelligence tools before and watching as someone in technology, the advancement of them. Uh, I wanted to talk about the ramifications to people working in consultancy because that's what this podcast's about. So a couple of things. I'm not going to really talk about what ChatGPT is because there's just swathes of information online. It's a couple of things as well as being an artificially intelligent driven, trained on this kind of massive large language model and linguistically it does something clever where it makes some type of assessment on the next word likelihood for context ranking and then kind of spits out these quasi-intelligent sentences and that's uh, bastardized that completely but fundamentally there's that bit of it that's the bit that gives it that capability of um, the impression of in- intelligence right as you're communicating with it backwards and forwards and technology people and everyone else we, we've kind of seen this before and some of us aren't that impressed with it and understand the logic and what drives it but it's that notion of sort of having an, a fairly intelligent contextual conversation with something on screen that's not a human being that's that bit of it then there's the bit of it that it's hooked into data and can do clever stuff and the the other thing is with that it can be highly contextual now my understanding is at the minute from what i've read that it was actually massively massively powerful when it was first released it was released in i think november december it's brand new which is why everyone's talking about it Uh, and you can jump online register for an account with open ai and you can get on it but i've noticed it's down today at the time of recording this podcast because obviously it's costing them millions to run these requests and they're throttling everyone sort of playing around with it but i digress i understand that when it was first launched people were doing things like um has the best way to to commit suicide or how do i make a molotov cocktail or uh, give me a list of all the exploits in the top 10 banks in the world and then write an exploit um that that lets me exploit that right and they the open ai guys and girls obviously got a little bit kind of wow this is this is getting out of hand and we've only just released it into the wild so they've kind of throttled it back a bit from what i understand so whatever you're thinking of it at the minute in terms of its capability and performance it's no way near what apparently it does do and, and let's face it you know what we get released to us as the fleshy meaty public uh, the advancements in the background we even those working in technology unless we've seen it we probably don't even know about it should be noted that ChatGPT is not the first AI tool. It's actually an iteration of things that have been around for quite some time. And it's worth just making a note of the top 10 
um, that often are mind-blowing tools that you can have um, online. And if you've not checked them out, you really should. Um, I'll include them in the show notes of both the audio podcast and the video one, but just a few. Um, Wally is one that uh, is common, which is the image generation uh, tool. So that's also open AI. It's not Wally. You know what Wally is, don't you? <laughs> That's that robot thing from um, that film. Uh, I'm going to have to Google that now. Wally, Wally, Wally is a 2008 American computer animated science fiction film produced by Pixar. It's that robot thing that looks like a Disney version of uh, Short Circuit. So I've got that well and truly wrong. What I did actually mean was, uh, what did I mean? What did I mean? Dali, is that the one? Dali image generation so if you haven't used it it's the dali 2 image creator it's developed by OpenAI, who also have developed ChatGPT, and it allows you to create these realistic images and art and it's brilliant it, it takes a description in any natural language and it generates these often funny images so you should definitely check dal e2 d-a-l-l-e-2 and not to be confused by the pixar character Others to note that I've actually used as well is Lumen5, which creates video. Um, it's got all kinds of tools uh, to help with video uh, creation. It uses AI baked in to help kind of drive uh, the right type of video for the right social media platform. And the, uh, the AI tool itself generates whole video sequences. It includes the images that you include, uh, any imported transcripts, and it creates the video. And it's just superb. The other one is Deep Beats. There are others, and again, I think I've plucked out 10 that I found online, but Deep Beat for me was was an interesting one to play with. It creates lyrics. Uh, you can select keywords. Uh, you can select sentiment or something that you want to have a song or rap written about. It gives you automated suggestions too, and it will write song lyrics. And it's just fascinating that some of these tools are just unbelievably fantastic so um copy ai is a copywriting tool notion ai um again a bit copywriting it's a plagiarism checker too um gfpgan this photo restoration tool that i've not used but i've just been reading about while i've been recording this podcast it says it's a generative facial prior generative adversarial network is what GFPGAN stands for, okay, is a free AI tool that helps fix old photos instantly and within seconds so you can remove noise or grain or any kind of uh, restoration that you might want to do on old and faded photographs. Uh, developed by Tencent. So we know Tencent, right? Um, fantastic driven by AI. All these tools are available, right? So it's not just ChatGPT, but interesting to see and be reminded of what else is on the market. With any technology, though, of course, there's a natural hype cycle and AI has been around for some time. And if we look back through technology and various kind of advancements, it's often cyclical. And whether we've got to a point where ChatGPT is the next Gutenberg press, we don't know. But Gartner, and just looking at the report, I'll include a link in the show notes, talks about the hype cycle of not only sort of ChatGPT and the advancements of it, but the patterns around where AI innovations kind of fall, um, what's happened in the past and whether everyone's just getting their uh, knickers in a twist really so Gartner says that there's AI innovations uh, that fall broadly into four categories there's the data centric AI there's model centric AI which I think 
both is what sort of chat GPT falls into. There's application centric AI, which for me means kind of more into the RPA kind of world. And there's human centric AI too. And if you go onto the Gartner website, they do a great hype cycle graph showing kind of the, the typical sort of um, pattern for artificial intelligence. And this is from back in 2022. And I'll, I'll share it on my Twitter feed as well. So follow me at MarioDC. And there's a bit of an explanation at each of those buckets. But broadly, the research that I've done and people that I've talked to, there's a lot of kind of experts, real experts in IO that just say, you know, this is a pretty good advancement. And it, it kind of charts... Um, it charts a reasonable progression in what this type of AI is, but the the millions, if not billions, of dollars being promised in Silicon Valley for new startups trying to leverage this technology is potentially another bubble, and we should be careful before kind of getting carried away with ourselves and 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 that kind of sentiment. I don't know. I quite like to be excited and shiny things and new. So, but 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 that was an interesting kind of read. So if you go to Gartner.com. And, and and look for the article what's new in artificial intelligence uh it, it's quite a good read upon this also a little bit of an angle for this i'm not some kind of tin hat conspiracy theorist the robots are taking over i have quite a pragmatic and thorough understanding of artificial intelligence and robotic process automation and its evolution and where we are and the whole conversation around it taking jobs uh, I was listening to a documentary uh, the other day and we were talking about um, we actually thought that this type of technology would eradicate the labour market first, right, as opposed to knowledge uh, workers. It actually looks like it's going to be the other way around and this is what I wanted to talk about today on the podcast. So I've been playing with ChatGPT now for, I don't know, three, four, five days, so it's hardly an exhaustive test. The one thing that I think makes this massively different to any other kind of AI tool that I've seen is that it will really, really quickly and somewhat accurately output working what I think is relatively viable code. Now, I'm not a software engineer and I'm not suggesting that um, the code that it's spitting out is, is the best code, but I've asked it to write Azure functions or Python scripts or even even, you know, write me a game of pac-man in basic and not only does it write the code that works and i've tested it um it documents it shows you how to use it signposts you to further kind of information about the code that it's written it can test the code and it can also uh critique the code so i think that has a huge ramification for people coming into consulting so let me explain just a little bit further consultancy firms as far as i can see are trending towards supporting and nurturing the talent of the future and quite rightly so they should you have huge cohorts of young 19 to 25 year old kind of university graduates maybe they've come out of university with a computer science degree but have no industry experience at all or writing live code maybe they're completely self-taught maybe they've gone through some academy some kind of consultancy internal graduate program or anything in between but what I see is many organisations unable to really support graduates and people starting their technology career and a huge amount of pressure to expect them to be viable and billable and commercially experienced um, from day one. 
and there's memes all over the internet and if you watch the youtube version of this throw some upon the screen but the whole thing of how you explain your consultancy team to the client and what they really are and usually there's some kind of uh, set of soldiers for the dream that's being sold and then a load of kittens going in because you know that that's the actual reality of the experience that's going on to the client site and as a graduate, being one and um, working with them and, and, and nurturing and mentoring some and being fortunate enough to do that, right? I, I see potentially uh, the pressures that they're under day to day working with different mixed economy teams. They're maybe the junior on the project or they need to add value in quotes, whatever that means. They need to be billable. So there must be a lot of pressure to kind of come up with or be valuable and write the code and do the things and... Typically, and there's nothing wrong with this, you obviously have the internet at your disposal. You have Google and, and um, a plural site and all the O'Reilly and all the support materials and videos and YouTube. And it's a great, it's a great learning resource. And the joke is, of course, you know, what you don't know, you can Google and that's fine. However, this, as far as I can see, puts really capable, almost immediate code writing ability in any language with context at the disposal of the user. Indistinguishable to the point where I've started to think about, well, how do you start to craft contracts for clients and do you have to caveat against artificially intelligent driven code or how do you do a coding interview and not and i know the the notion of cheating on a coding interview there's hundreds of thousands of youtube videos covering that but this just makes it so much easy so much more easier i suppose or accessible and then it's very difficult to kind of ascertain if you're working in really sensitive environments um is there an impact of using artificially intelligent driven code is it going to be more accurate is it going to be better code and what will the the end the future be for software engineers right we talk about all the time in consultancy the commoditization of technology whether it's low code solutions uh, the power platform for example from microsoft and um dynamics and having these kind of turnkey um sort of cloud-based kind of gui driven uh, capability to to build out basic functionality and spin up infrastructure the pressure has always been on technical folk and that commoditization that comes with technology enhancements and advancements in the field. So clients are always pushing for more, cheaper. These tools enable that to some degree, although there's so many things to talk about, about some of the problems with that and just cloud in general. We seem to have done a bit of a, a 360 on that lately, but that's for another podcast. But, but really, that human fleshy intelligence you will never be able to to recreate. But have you seen ChatGPT and what it can do? I mean, it can literally write code that works. So I think employers and consultancy firms, look, look at it another way. If uh, a rebuttal for a client who doesn't want to pay £1,500 a day for a, uh, a .NET engineer, uh, they don't want to hire a consultant, and they don't want to pay what a qualified engineer might be paid internally to the organization they want to do stuff on the cheap so what they'll do they'll get someone that has an interest or a bent in tech sit them in front of chat gpt and leverage that can you imagine the longer term effects of all that kind of janky code and i know that we have to cope with that now because we see that in the wild and we see that with our clients but surely this compels it and and um 
just makes it even more of a problem. So are we going to see projects in the future where we go in onto client sites and actually most of the proprietary functionality within the business has been written by something like ChatGPT and bastardized and put together and bolted together with sellotape by Stephen Accounts because he once wrote um, a copy of Pong in basic when he was when he was six, you know, that kind of thing. And although I'm smiling a little bit, there, I thought that was quite funny. Um I mean, this this is going to happen. And again, I don't want to talk about the ramifications of ChatGPT on society or anything like that, because that's not what this is about. But as a technology professional, I look at the tool and its capability now. So let's assume that it's at least 50% more capable than it appears to be. Um, and I, if I was a software engineer, I'm not sure whether I would see it as a tool that I would leverage. I don't know if I'd be concerned by it. I can certainly see how it's going to get abused. And of course, it's not yet at its full potential. I understand that some of the data sets that it has access to are fairly out of date, years old maybe. I don't think it's plugged into everything. And I know there's a little nuance, wasn't there? Because I know in Visual Studio, there's a functionality which I've talked about in a DevOps a presentation called Copilot. The idea is that it can assist you with writing functional code you write in the comments the function or the thing that you're trying to do and it it pulls from various uh, Git repositories and things to try and build that code on the fly based on what it thinks you're trying to do, that kind of thing. But this is so much more than that. And I thoroughly recommend that if you've not actually tried it already and you can get on it, go to openai.com, sign up for an account and then have a play around with it. And I'd be really interested. I started off a conversation on Twitter. So if you look on Twitter, you'll see some of the points that I'm, I'm trying to make. Um, let me hear what you think. Do you work in consultancy? Are you a software engineer? Are you a graduate thinking, this is amazing. I can get it to do all my work for me. Um, tell me about how you think this will impact the industry because I'm really interested in how this will shape projects for the next 12 months for me and my teams and the world of consultancy in general. It's not AI that's going to steal your job. It's those that are clever enough to use AI to augment what they do. And he's posted nine ways. ChatGPT saves him hours of work every day. And while you'll never outcompete those who use AI effectively, he's he's called uh, Santiago uh, Valderrama. So he's some machine learning guy on LinkedIn. So he's given some examples and included some screenshots. But one of the comments was about security. And I thought it's absolutely right that... If you're writing enterprise solutions and using ChatGPT, we don't know anything about yet what it's doing with that code, where it's stored, and what if you're giving away trade secrets by using it. And again, this goes back to security and, and diligence. And what if you know consultancy firms working in the public sector are using ChatGPT to write uh, mission critical code that keeps services going for the public? You know, and we already have huge issues with data breaches and things is this going to compound it further um if you can find it on linkedin search for uh, him and have a look at what he's wrote because it's really quite interesting um but that's it really so uh, that's really what i wanted to start talking about when it comes to chat gpt have a think let me know what you think yourself and uh we'll talk very very soon this episode sponsored by ND Technology Services for IT consultancy and digital delivery projects and Creative Pixel if you want an affordable bespoke website which won't break the bank, get in touch. creativepixel.me.uk forward slash DM daily for a 10% discount on all websites.